Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is December 18th, 2020. Uh, this year is rapidly coming to a close, and I, I think most of us can't wait to uh, see 2020 in the rearview mirror. We have to hope that 2021 will be a better year. But as they say, hope is not a strategy, and uh, America stands at crossroads. It's so important that we seize every opportunity that we can to have meaningful conversations with our friends, with our neighbors, to really have a heart-to-heart discussion about where we as a country go from here. You know, I I never would have imagined that I don't think any of us could have imagined that America would find itself in, in this predicament that we are in. We're getting hammered from multiple directions simultaneously. It's kind of like uh, a circular um, firing squad, and, and, and we're in the middle of it, and everyone else is getting wounded in the process. It's crazy. Between COVID, uh, today news about a massive computer attack um, on a whole bunch of very sensitive government agencies and corporations, including the agency, the federal agency that oversees the stockpile of nuclear weapons, the Chinese espionage um Hunter Biden, with with Joe Biden standing in the wings. We'll see how that plays out. The fat lady has not yet sung. But, again, everything coming at us from multiple directions, uh, there's just no place to go for respite. You can run, as they say, but you can't hide. And, you know, as I'm looking, and and everyone is now paying attention to this attack on our computer system, Many experts are saying it's Russia. I'm not sure how they know that. I'm not a computer guy. I will never pretend to know what I don't know. Uh, According to some experts, there's a forensics capability of determining where the attack came from, but certainly Russia is only one of several countries that immediately come to mind in terms of having the motivation and potentially the technological capability of launching such a massive a computer attack on the United States and its companies and government agencies. And if you think back about a decade ago to a virus known as Stuxnet that was used allegedly by the United States, maybe Israel, to um, cripple the nuclear program in Iran, causing the centrifuges that um, are supposed to separate um, the elements that are being um, prepared in the centrifuge for the nuclear program, they uh, they basically came unglued. They sped up to the point that many of the centrifuges were destroyed. <clears throat> and it was the first time in recent memory that a computer um, attack led to attack of physical uh, facilities in the real world, not the virtual world. So certainly Iran would have motivation. Um, also, um, The leader of their nuclear program was apparently assassinated a couple of weeks ago. They threatened to take reprisals. But understand that this hack attack, as as I'm calling it, 
according to what I've been reading, goes back to March. What I find remarkable about March was March was also when the coronavirus pandemic uh, started to really, you know, blow into the headlines of the newspapers around the world and became the issue. It started a little bit ahead of that, probably December, November, but the world started to really take notice in March, and at about the same time, according to the reports now, American computers were hacked. Are they connected? I don't know. Is anybody even raising that possibility? I haven't heard anyone making that connection, but I always like to see connections. I spent 30 years with the old INS, 26 years as a special agent, and you're always looking for connections for what would seem to be maybe a coincidence. And, of course, in law enforcement, there's a philosophy that if you see a coincidence, keep digging because there's no such thing. So perhaps the two things are connected. Maybe they're not, but something worth considering. Pardon me. Now, one of the things that I don't understand, I'm not an engineer. A couple of my boys are. That was my plan to become an engineer, but uh, there's a Yiddish expression that man makes plans and God laughs. Uh, My plans kind of got derailed, and instead of becoming an engineer, I became a federal agent. But I don't understand why we keep on increasing our our reliance on computers and we know they can be hacked. And, and that's what I really find disturbing. If you're familiar with it, you know I do podcasts for DML News, Dennis Michael Lynch, Team DML. It's a subscription service. I would urge you to check it out. I do videos for him uh, generally a couple of days a week, although I will be on every day until the end of the year filling in for Dennis Michael Lynch. In discussing this on my program today over at Team DML, Cutler's Corner, I said, look, understand what we're now doing. ZDNet, which is similar to CNET, it's a website that talks about technology, posted an article just a couple of days ago, and it blew my mind because I'm trying to pull this up for you. Um, The incredible story here is that According to, no, that's not it. Forgive me. Here we are. I have it. This was reported in August of this year, August 26, 2020. Here's the headline. Autonomous plane takes off with passengers and cargo. The subtitle, pilotless planes are here, and the FAA is getting on board for short-distance regional transportation. What are we talking about? Airplanes with passengers and no pilots. How does that one grab you? Get on an airplane, and it's just the flight attendants. No pilot in the cockpit. Computers will run the airplane. Well, what happens if someone hacks the computer? On 9-11, we had a terror attack where terrorists committed suicide by flying uh, airplanes uh, into buildings using them as cruise missiles. They committed suicide. If programmers could program airplanes that operate autonomously, they wouldn't have to go out there and commit suicide. All they would have to do is guide the airplanes to a target, like playing a video game, and they go home at night, but nobody on the airplane in those buildings go home. And in point of fact, and we're going to get to it shortly, a terror plot involving airplanes in the United States was just broken up by our officials working in conjunction with the uh, law enforcement and intelligence community in the Philippines. The, the threat of terrorism isn't gone. So why in the world would you want to take a flesh-and-blood pilot out of the cockpit? Well, we know that computers can be hacked, and we know that uh, if you hack a computer that controls an airplane, you could re- use that airplane like a remote-control aircraft. 
And now we're starting to see people getting on airplanes with no pilot. Uh, I got to tell you, I in a million years could never imagine myself sitting on an airplane knowing that the airplane was being controlled by a computer <clears throat> and there's no pilot to be found anywhere on the plane. No, thank you. This is an invitation to a disaster. <clears throat> and realize we also have, <clears throat> pardon me, oh, I hate when my, my throat does that. Kermit the frog sometimes comes and visits, so I've got a frog in my throat. Um, you have an airplane known as the XB-47, which is a remote-controlled fighter plane. They've even been able to land one of these things on the deck of an aircraft carrier. Think about that. The, I'm sorry, it's the X-47B. Um, so that airplane, jet-powered, can and will eventually be used in combat. It will probably have armaments on board. There isn't even a cockpit. If you look at it, there's no cockpit. It's purely a remote-controlled drone that's capable of doing just about everything that a fighter plane with a pilot on board can do, including landing on an aircraft carrier. What happens if that system gets hacked? We know about predator drones being used to wipe out terrorists in the Middle East. They fly from the United States all the way to the Middle East, and there's no pilot on board. There's another updated version called the Reaper. Same story. It's remote control. It has weapons on board but no pilot on board. What in the world would happen if a couple of those attack drones were taken over by our enemies and then they would be flying in the airspace over our cities in the United States? Does that not give you cause for pause? Now, maybe my fears are unfounded, but someone needs to address the American people and tell them that that system is secure or those airplanes need to be uh, disabled. Because my concern is if you could hack into our systems, if you could gain control of drones that have weapons on board, uh, I don't even want to imagine the consequences. This is crazy stuff. And all we keep doing is seeing companies with the latest novelty, today it's computers, certainly not a novelty, but if you can hack a computer, what is to prevent a, a computer hacker from hacking into weapon systems like that? Just a question that I think the American people deserve an answer to. What is the answer to that question? Perhaps the trick here, folks, is for us to write to our elected representatives as though they really represent us, right? And ask them what the hell is going on. Could one of those drones, the Reaper, the um, X-47B, the Predator, whatever, be used as a weapon. How about passenger aircraft being controlled by computers? What is done to make certain that those airplanes aren't hijacked but without a hijacker on board, but rather a computer programmer sitting halfway across the earth um, playing with it with a laptop and a keypad? We have to worry about these things. Not after an attack, but before the attack. Predict the, the vulnerabilities and then address them. It's kind of like skeet shooting, you know. The skeet flies through the air, and if you have a shotgun, you're supposed to hit it. Well, you do that by leading the target. You know where the target is going to be when the rounds from your shotgun uh, get to that point. You have to predict. You have to see where you need to be to stop it. We need to do that in advance of anything terrible happening. 
but that's just my opinion. Moving right along, we still have this continuing saga of Hunter Biden with more disclosures coming almost every day. The amazing thing is, if you wonder why so many of your friends and neighbors are clueless, it's because the mainstream media has provided very little in the way of coverage. They're starting to provide coverage now. They can run, they can't hide. It's the the cat's out of the bag. Or is this a ploy because they, they, the mainstream media, wanted to wait for everything to get to this point so that Biden could get knocked out of the box and we wind up with Kamala Harris as president, possibly, the woman who couldn't even get a single vote in the Democrat primary. Talk about an illegitimate presidency. Think about what that would look like. Serious concerns about voter fraud, hacking of voting machines, all kinds of shenanigans, to use a term that Trump has used, and my my dad, may rest in peace, used to use the same term, shenanigans. I believe it's an Irish term, certainly not a Yiddish term. So you're calling into question the integrity of the voting process, and you're looking at a vice president who did horribly in the debate. She got beaten badly in the debate. It wasn't even a contest. And she could wind up in the Oval Office. Where's the credibility? What is her background that equips her to be the commander-in-chief of American armed forces and take on the position of the most powerful person on the planet, President of the United States? There's something terribly amiss with this entire scenario. And the American people sense it. And this is all because we have been late to the game as Americans. We've been ignoring the politicians. We've been ignoring their lies and their nonsense. The politicians make these grandiose promises that they have no intentions of keeping. Everyone knows they have no intentions of keeping their promises. I don't even know why they bother. They put together a party platform. This is what we're going to do. And generally, very little of what they promise ever happens. Donald Trump, to his credit, was the first president I could think of in a very long time who had a list of promises. The Democrats and some Republicans tried mightily to keep him from keeping those promises, especially the wall on the southern border. But one way or the other, being as creative and imaginative as anyone could ever have imagined, he got the job done. And what I want to know from the politicians that oppose the wall, and you know my position on the wall, It's not the complete solution to the immigration crisis. It only addresses one of many flaws in the system. You know, I've referred to the immigration system as a colander. You know, the kitchen implement that you use to drain pasta, it's got all these holes in it. The border wall only plugs one hole. Plugging one hole in a colander doesn't turn it into a bucket. Plugging one hole in the bottom of a boat that has many holes in it doesn't keep the boat from winding up at the bottom of the lake. you've got to plug all the holes, but certainly the Mexican border is a huge gaping hole. And the obvious question that nobody asks when you have politicians talking about comprehensive immigration reform, to legalize, and we've discussed this on my program before, what could ultimately be over 100 million aliens, not just the 25 million that are likely to participate, but the fact that they can then bring all of their minor children and all of their spouses and so forth you could wind up easily with more than 100 million people coming to America as lawful immigrants. Imagine what that would do to the economy, the environment, inflation, housing, electricity, sewerage, food, water, jobs, transportation. 
the infrastructure would crumble. We would implode. <clears throat> so the question that no one asked, and I think it's a pretty reasonable question, you want comprehensive reform? How does that benefit the American people? That's what I want to know. I want to know how legalizing tens of millions of illegal aliens who evaded the vetting process at ports of entry, perhaps because they know their names are on terror watch lists or they know that they have outstanding warrants, how does legalizing massive numbers of people, so many that there will be no interviews, no field investigations, and then they can bring in their kids, <clears throat> how does that help the average American? Give, give me an easy answer to that one. Why does nobody ever ask that question? You look at all these presidential debates, so-called, where you have some so-called journalists asking the questions. Why is it that no one ever asks a politician, a candidate, how would your proposal help the average American? How would providing millions of competition or competitors for jobs help the average American or lawful immigrant who's already here looking for work? How does that help them? How does flooding the labor pool with cheap labor help Americans? We know how it helps the super wealthy, but what does that do for the average American who desperately needs a job? How does increasing the H-1B visas so that you displace American workers and you make certain that American kids going to school, even with their degrees, are likely to not be able to get a job in their chosen fields. So how does that help them? Why do we not ask how did these proposals help the average American, not the average illegal alien, not the corporate giant, not Silicon Valley, okay? It's a simple question. How does an out-of-work American, how is a graduating student with a degree in STEM, science, technology, engineering, how are they benefited by flooding America with lots of foreign workers who are likely to then take the technology that they work with in the United States and, and bring it to their home country? How does that help America? And when I hear politicians, and I'm going to talk about both sides of the aisle, Ted Cruz famously kept saying the same nonsense. For America to lead, we must bring in the world's best and brightest. Really? Ted Cruz, I doubt you're listening, but if you are, how do you define America? Mountains, shopping malls, highways, harbors, airports, schools, museums, beaches. What's America? I always thought, silly me, that America, more importantly, is made up of its people, the American citizen. And we're the most diverse country on the planet. Human beings of every race, religion, ethnicity, culture, we've got it all. America is a true smorgasbord of humanity. So, so the question is, how are Americans helped when you bring in foreign workers instead of making certain that Americans get those high-tech, what should be good-paying jobs? For America to lead, we need to bring in the best and brightest. Why aren't they Americans? It was Chuck Yeager, who passed away just about a week ago, who was the first American to break the sound barrier back in October 1947, October 14th, flying an American airplane built by the Bell Aircraft Company, the Bell X-1, built by an American. The first communication satellites were built by Americans. Americans went to the moon and came back again repeatedly. No other country has yet repeated that feat. 50 years plus after that. 
we've sent space probes out of the solar system. It started with Pioneer and then Voyager, now New Horizons, hurtling out of the solar system. No other country has done that. Think of all the firsts America scored without saying, let's call up India. Yes, the space program used Russian, I'm sorry, German scientists, <clears throat> arguably war criminals, including Werner von Braun. They used slave labor to build the terror weapons of the Second World War, the V-1 and V-2 rockets that were used to, to bomb and kill Brits in London. Um, not my heroes. The work they did on the space program significant, but I have no romantic misapprehension about who these guys were. But there was a limited number, and for quite some time, they basically lived in a compound because our government didn't trust the war, these people. They worked for the Nazis. They're not our friends. But our scientists, our engineers, our government officials knew that they could give us a 20-year head start by bringing them here to build our space program. So we made a decision. And we're not going to revisit it. The decision was made. The die was cast. Here we are. But when you look at where we are, <clears throat> what are we doing to make certain that American kids will be qualified to take these jobs when you look at what's going on with the educational system? The lockdowns, using schools to spread propaganda that's anti-American as it gets. Instead of focusing on preparing kids in school to be successful, productive adults, I, I thought that's what school was for. Again, foolish me, what do I know? No, it's better to learn that America stinks. Let me tell you, America's made its mistakes. People make mistakes. People seek redemption. Every criminal that goes before the parole board is seeking redemption. They're saying, look, I made mistakes. I, I, I've cleaned up my act. Here, the lunatics on the left are holding America and Americans responsible for actions that happened hundreds of years ago. My family wasn't here during slavery, okay? Many Americans' families weren't here. And you never hold children responsible for the crimes of their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents. But that doesn't matter. We have the 1619 Project. So when slaves came to America in 1619, that was it. We were cursed, and from that day on, you can't do anything to make amends. Are you kidding me? America has been the force for freedom hundreds of years. It was the American Revolution that inspired the French Revolution. <clears throat> America has always been about freedom. Slavery is over. We have laws that end discrimination. We've done more than any country to eliminate distinction about race or religion or ethnicity. And now the lunatic left wants to emphasize race. That's all they talk about is race. When someone's picked for a cabinet position, they don't talk about how qualified the person is. The guy has three degrees and did this and did that. No, the guy is a Latino. The guy is black. It's a woman. Okay, and what does that have to do with the qualifications for the job? We should be looking at race and religion and ethnicity no differently from eye color or hair color. What's your qualifications to do the job? If you're the best qualified, you get the job. Very simple. It's a simple concept. The doctor who delivered a couple of our children came to the United States as an immigrant from Haiti, <clears throat> dreamt of becoming a doctor when he was a child. He told me the story, how he would take science books 
and sit under a street light in Haiti before he came to America learning about science. And why did he sit under a street light? Because they had no lights in his house. He became the head of obstetrics of a major hospital in New York City. Brilliant, compassionate, wonderful, talented doctor who happens to be black, happens to have been from Haiti, happens to have been an immigrant. I don't care about all that. What I care about, what my wife cared about, is that he is a competent, talented, devoted healer, doctor, OBY, right? Obstetrics and uh, gynecology. That's what matters. And all that we've been hearing since Mr. Obama occupied the Oval Office is race, discrimination. Everything is viewed through the prism of skin color. By definition, that's racism. This is what we've been fighting to get rid of since 1619, and it's back, brought here by the people screaming the loudest about slavery and racism. What's the goal? To impose bigotry against whites, to say, oh, you've got white privilege? We have American privilege if we don't lose it, folks, that anybody of any color, any religion, any ethnicity can study hard, work hard, and aspire to be anything he or she wants to be. That is the measure of a truly wonderful society. Let's figure out where we go from here without looking in the rearview mirror and saying, well, look where we came from. It's so awful that we can never redeem ourselves. We've got to get rid of all the statues of the people that were the leaders back then because they were terrible. No, it was a different era with different values and different understandings of the issues. Tearing down the only country that stands between China and world domination. And if you think that America has done terrible things, you need to look at China, the way they treat their own people, that they're running concentration camps right now as you're hearing my voice, and they're looking at America as the biggest obstacle to world domination. You take down America, and they will impose a totalitarian regime. And let me tell you, all these little snowflakes that were out there rioting because they've, they've been drinking the Kool-Aid about how terrible America is. Why don't you dig into what China has been up to? That's the issue. Can we make America better? Absolutely. And we try to do it all the time in order to perform a more perfect union, right? Isn't that what the words say? In order to form, well, how do you do that? Working at it, passing better laws, educating our children better. If you really want to end poverty in America, you need to educate American children, give them a set of values so they are equipped to be successful, and nurture and encourage the brilliance of the American child, regardless of race, religion, ethnicity. Don't care. Take these brilliant children. Give them the opportunity to bootstrap themselves out of poverty. How? through good education and making certain that they don't have to compete with foreign workers for the jobs. Whether it's illegal aliens taking the low-skilled jobs or the people coming here with high-tech visas who are displacing Americans and preventing Americans from taking their rightful place in, 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 in a successful job situation. And, in fact, one of the first things done to address discrimination and segregation was the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. What was that about? Because in order to end poverty, in order to end discrimination, Americans of color were given the ability 
to get the jobs that they need to be able to live good, productive, decent lives. The better the education, the more you earn. The more you earn, the better your lifestyle. That's what it was about. So when you're bringing in an army of foreign workers, you're destroying any opportunity, not only for blacks, but whites and every other American, because these companies want cheap, exploitable labor. This undoes everything that Martin Luther King and and, and all of those civil rights leaders fought for, gave their lives for. Why would you do that? Again, I come back to the fundamental question. When some politician stands there and says, we're going to make America diverse by bringing in foreign workers, Rick Scott made that point. More diverse. What are we doing? This identity politics is toxic. It divides Americans. It pits American against American. It's part of a divide-and-conquer strategy. And I don't care what program you listen to. The other day I was watching a show over at Fox, and the host was railing about how the socialists don't understand that America's system of capitalism ends poverty. Folks, we don't have capitalism in America today. Who are you kidding Capitalism? No, this is corporate welfare. Corporate welfare. When you can look at what happened with Amazon, with COVID, how small businesses were driven into the ground, that's why in one day, how much did, did Amazon you know, roll in? Billions of dollars? Because the competition's been eliminated. You can't go into a mom-and-pop store, but you can go into a mall. Think about that lunacy. This is the willful destruction of the middle class by our government kowtowing to the people writing the checks for their campaigns. This is called bribery, not campaign contributions. It's Orwellian. You destroy jobs and opportunities for Americans, and then you tell them, isn't capitalism wonderful? Well, this isn't capitalism. This is corporate welfare. Corporate welfare. That's what you're witnessing. And not surprisingly, Americans are losing their jobs. They're becoming homeless. And and the lunatics on the left want to lock everything down. Why? Well, I wrote about this for Front Page Magazine, I believe, back in March, almost a year ago. And I said that for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. The further you drive Americans into poverty, the more that you make them beholden on government for handouts, the more that people are going to be pushed to the left pushed to the Democrat Party. Their objective is one-party government. And where are the Republicans? Too busy counting the money from their campaign contributors so they can run in the next election without thinking long-term. It's all about money, not about morality, not about decency, not about their oaths of office, not about what's happening to their fellow Americans. Hell no. Hell no. And there's Joe Biden saying that he's going to get rid of immigration enforcement, defund the police as part and parcel of the Democrat Party. He won't give you a straight answer on that, in part because of his addled mind, but also because he's had enough problems fighting with the the, the lunatic left in his own party. So imagine what that means. Decriminalize immigration law violations so you can't prosecute or won't prosecute people for reentry after deportation, for example, especially criminals. You know, I work with Aldamato to make that a 20-year maximum felony crime for criminal aliens. Well, that goes out the window. If you aren't going to prosecute people who are deported and come back, then you're spinning your wheels. Because then what's the penalty for being deported and coming back? 
if you're going to allow people to come to America and get free education and free health care, and they're here illegally, you will overwhelm the systems and they will crumble. They will implode. If you go to a restaurant, if you go to a bowling alley, if you go to a theater, when you walk in, and I know this is the case in New York and many other cities, probably in every city, you see a sign hanging on the wall. And what does that sign tell you? Occupancy by X number of people, by more than X number of people, is illegal. And it's based, uh, from what I understand, on the size of the building. It's based on how many emergency exits there are and on and on. It's it's making sure that if there's a fire, people can get out without burning to death. Just like when airplanes are certified, uh, new airliners, one of the things they have to do before the FAA certifies the airplane is they stage an emergency evacuation. So they have all the company employees and volunteers sitting in the seats. They blow a whistle, and they pop those slides, and they zip down the slides. And I think that an airplane has to be cleared of all passengers within something like two minutes. It's an unrealistic test, by the way. Everybody knows the whistle's going to blow. These people are probably in good physical condition, and they're expecting it. They know it's coming. Okay, when is the whistle going to blow? The people sitting on an airplane... You have among them the elderly, people who are drunk, people who are tired. You have children. You have all kinds of things. And very often people do, uh, if, they, if they don't get killed in the crash, very often many of the fatalities come from fire. So they at least have to go through the motions of demonstrating that they can get everybody off the airplane. And if they can't, then they have to reduce the number of people who could sit on the airplane so that you don't have too many people and the inability to evacuate them in the case of an emergency. We limit the number of people. An airplane doesn't take off with too many people. If they weigh too much, the airplane won't leave the runway. We are limited. We have to know our limitations. Immigration is no different. Immigration is no different. So by flooding America and taking away the jobs and depressing the wages, what do you think is going to happen? You wind up with lots of poverty, lots of crime, lots of frustration, disenchanted Americans who will grasp at any straw, even the straw offered them by the communists. Why doesn't anybody see this? Why doesn't anyone understand this? How much more greedy can we be as a country that it's all about the money and nothing about what's fair or right or decent? And I blame us. Because we've allowed political jackasses to rise to positions of authority and power. We've never put a check on them. And as far as I'm concerned, every politician should be subject to recall. If you're hired by a company and you do a crappy job, your boss can fire you. You can't, you can't say to the boss, oh, uh, I, I just got the job, so you're stuck with me for four years. Or as a senator, you're stuck with me for six years. Or if it's a member of the House... You stuck with me for two years. I just got the job. I just got elected. No. You come to work. You're surly. You're two hours late. You're stealing stuff from the supply room. You take a three-hour lunch. The boss will come up to you and say, hey, Charlie, what's going on? Well, it's the best I can do. Really? Well, here's the best I can do. You're fired. Why can't we do that with politicians? Federal agents get fired. Airline pilots get fired. If a If a law enforcement officer exceeds his or her authority, they're subject to something known as a Bivens action. Bivens is a court decision that says that if you're in law enforcement and you operate outside of the color of law, you exceed your authority, 
you do things that you're not allowed to do under law, you are now personally liable. You can be sued as a person, not your agency. You can be sued. You can be uh, fined. You can bear the price. That's how you make people accountable. Why don't we apply that principle to the members of Congress, to the mayors, to the governors? And you have to ask yourself, what's motivating all these people? Why is Nancy Pelosi, for example, so adamant about shielding um, Swalwell? I know that she appointed him to the Intelligence Committee. But you would think that someone who's apparently this big a liability would be somebody that she would just as soon get rid of and say, hey, you know what, Eric? You blew it. You had a great opportunity. You were on the committee you wanted to be on. You showed lousy judgment. You're out of here. No, we're going to protect them. I trust them. You know, with all this talk about contact tracing to make certain that people in the communities haven't been exposed to COVID, if you come down with it, they want to know, well, who were you with? Well, I was with my brother. Oh, really? And when was that? So then they test him. And that way we make sure that the virus is contained by contact tracing. And the fact that, you know, uh, Biden wants to create this monstrosity of a bureaucracy. He was talking about 100,000 contract tracers. Wow, that really worries me. 100,000 contact tracers, really? And what happens when COVID's done? What are you going to use them for then? Uh, once you create a, non- a nightmare like that, they don't go away. We, we have to be careful. But here's the kind of contact tracing I'd like to see. How many people met Christine Fang, Mr. Swalwell's uh, friend, you know, the spy, a parent spy? Maybe we need that kind of contact tracing to see who he introduced her to, maybe because she was seeking to recruit still more people. That's why she was hanging out with these old mayors. Whoever you can contact gives you access to more people. That's what the Chinese spies do on college campuses. They see the campus as a recruiting ground. A couple of months ago, I wrote an article about a police officer for the NYPD who came to the United States from China. I believe he applied for asylum, even though his family was part of the military. Think about that, Butte. He committed visa fraud. By the way, Christine Fang apparently committed visa fraud also. She came as a student, but really, what was she here for? Espionage? I don't think that was on her visa application. By the way, um, she left around the time Swalwell got a briefing from the FBI telling him, oh, this woman might be a spy. This is interesting. The question not being asked, did Swalwell then tell Christine Fang, you better get out of Dodge because they're gunning for you? If he did that, that is a felony. That's obstruction of governmental administration. It's aiding and abetting. There's a whole bunch of crimes that may have been committed, and I'd like to know what that timeline looks like. He needs to be asked that question point blank. Did you tip her off to the fact that she was the target of an FBI investigation? If so, he needs to explain it to a grand jury. No one's talking about all these issues, you see. And it's not just about Swalwell giving her intelligence. It's about the contacts. It's about maybe him agreeing or being coerced in to pushing the story about President Trump and the Russians and how China doesn't pose a threat. China's very concerned about their image in the world. They're very concerned about it. And companies are concerned about images. Generally, governments are concerned about their image. The space race was about showing that 
one country was better than the other country. We're like children. We put on suits and we have gray hair, and we're no different from the idiots running around in the playground when we were in the fifth grade. So they're worried about their image. And Swalwell is hanging out with Christine Fang, and perhaps she pressured him, maybe she threatened him. Who knows what she did? And said, you know, Eric, you got to stop making China look bad or else. Or else what? Well, maybe she knew something about him that he doesn't want you to know. Who knows? Whatever. But perhaps she was in the position to exert pressure. Lots of questions. And he's not even admitting he did anything wrong. We don't even see contrition. Gee, I, I use lousy judgment. I'm stupid. He refuses to answer any questions, and he has the backing of the leaders of the Democrat Party. So are they being pressured by China to take no action against Swalwell? Are they being pressured because they're vulnerable? Well, that's where contact tracing comes in. I'd love to know how much money Nancy Pelosi got from the Chinese government or someone acting on behalf of the Chinese government. Maybe the answer is zero. But I'd love to know who bought her ice cream. I'd love to know who bought that refrigerator for her. Was it made in China, perhaps? Wink, wink. Just kidding. Maybe. But you understand my point. So much is on the line. This isn't the game. This is about the future of our country, and as a consequence, this is about the future of our children and their children. And so now Biden is running around, and he's saying, well, my son didn't do anything wrong. I'm proud of my son. He's the smartest guy I know. My God, who does he hang out with? But that's another story for another day. So all of these issues about possible Chinese collusion. Yeah, there's that word again, collusion. Not Russian, but Chinese collusion. And Biden says, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to be better on immigration. Yeah, sure, they want to make Cuomo the attorney general, possibly the guy that describes immigration agents as thugs. He wants Alejandro Mayorkas to run the Department of Homeland Security. Now, understand, I've written about Mayorkas, and I've spoken about him before, but I'm going to talk about him again because they're not talking about him in the news. They did for a day or two, and it's gone. He's off the radar scope. This was the guy who ran Citizenship and Immigration Services. I refer to that agency as the locksmith for America because they're the ones that adjudicate the applications for political asylum and green cards and student visas and U.S. citizenship, um, employment visas, and so forth. And he was investigated back when he was working for President Obama, this is Mayorkas, for exerting pressure on his employees that was unreasonable, inappropriate, that he approved applications that shouldn't have been because there was an apparent link to um, um, Hillary Clinton and other political figures. And he infamously ordered that his people get to yes. Terry McAuliffe, by the way, had an interest in the case that we're talking about as well from Virginia. So this is the guy that told his people get to yes, which means fraud investigations go out the window. Get to yes. That brings us to, with everything else going on in this 10-ring circus that is the news report today. So we we come to, uh, let me pull this thing up for you. Bear with me one moment. Sorry, that wasn't what I wanted. Hang on one second, please. Uh, Okay. So here is the headline. Press release issued Wednesday, two days ago, by the Department of Justice in Washington. Kenyan national indicted for conspiring to hijack aircraft on behalf of the al-Qaeda-affiliated terrorist organization al-Shabaab. 
His name is Cholo Abdi Abdullah. He obtained a pilot training and researched how to hijack aircraft in order to conduct a 9-11-style attack at the direction of al-Shabaab. I'm going to read a little bit of this to you because it's worthwhile. And then I'm going to tell you what this has to do with Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas because there is a connection. Bear with me. The Department of Justice announced the unsealing of an indictment charging Cholo Abdi Abdullah with six counts of terrorism-related offenses arising from his activities as an operative of the foreign terrorist organization Al-Shabaab, including conspiring to hijack aircraft in order to conduct a 9-11-style attack in the United States. Abdullah was arrested in July 2019 in the Philippines on local charges and was subsequently transferred on December 15, 2020, in connection with his deportation from the Philippines to the custody of U.S. law enforcement for prosecution on the charges in the indictment. Abdullah was transported from the Philippines to the United States yesterday and is expected to be presented today before Magistrate Judge Robert Learberger in Manhattan Federal Court. The case is assigned to U.S. District Judge and Elisa Torres. This case, which involved the plot to use aircraft to kill innocent victims, reminds us of the deadly threat that radical Islamic terrorists continue to pose to our nation, and that also highlights our commitment to pursue and hold accountable anybody who seeks to harm our country and our citizens. No matter where terrorists who plan to target Americans may be located, we will seek to identify them and to bring them to justice, said Attorney General for National Security John Demers. We owe a debt of gratitude to the detectives, agents, analysts, and prosecutors who are responsible for this defendant's arrest. Today's announcement shows that foreign terrorist organizations like al-Shabaab remain determined to plot, plan, and conspire to commit terrorist acts across the globe against the United States. Our interests and our foreign partners, said FBI Assistant Director for Counterterrorism, Jill Sanborn. Let there be no doubt that the FBI and our law enforcement colleagues, and in this case specifically those in the Philippines and Kenya, will not stop in our mission to hold terrorists accountable for their actions. The charges announced today against Cholo Abdi Abdullah eerily draw parallels to the heinous attacks on this country on September 11, 2001. And he goes on. Now, what does this have to do with immigration? Well, if you read the indictment, and I did, and I always like to go through the indictments because that's where you get the meat and potatoes of the case, this guy was involved with others, known and unknown. Now, I, I want that phrase to sink into your head. Known and unknown. We know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. So the potential is that there are others like this guy who have yet to be identified, who have yet to be identified, but they are determined to carry out a plot very similar to the 9-11 airplane hijackings where airplanes with passengers were used as de facto cruise missiles to fly into tall buildings. And when they went through what this guy did, and you, and you read about it, you understand what this plot involved, and the nexus to immigration. And I want to remind you again, I want to remind you again, that when bin Laden was taken down by our special forces, and when they raided his compound, and they took his library, among the two things that they took that I immediately saw in the inventory that got my attention, this is bin Laden, the 9-11 Commission report, to which, by the way, I provided testimony, and an application for United States citizenship. Obviously, he understood the significance of getting his terrorists into our country to get them citizenship so they get a U.S. passport. I've written about numerous cases involving international terrorists who were instructed by their overseas handlers to get citizenship 
and get a U.S. passport. Take no action until you've got your citizenship and you have your U.S. passport. The U.S. passport and citizenship and immigration fraud were key methods of entry and embedding for the terrorists. In other words, we go back to this concept that citizenship and immigration services is really the locksmith to America. They hand out the key to the front door. You know, when I started doing my speaking engagements, uh, I, I want to ask people questions to make them think. So I, I had a thought question. I'm, I'm going to ask you the thought question. Let's say you're standing in front of this amazing wall that was built by President Trump. It's tall. It's impressive. It's imposing. Very difficult, if not impossible, to scale. Yet I could put a device in your pocket, and that wall basically has no impact anymore. For you, with that, whatever it is in your pocket, that wall no longer matters. Pretty amazing. So do you think I could put a 30-foot ladder in your pocket? Probably not. Do you think I could put some explosives in your pocket so you can blow a hole in the wall? Nope. Not a shovel to dig under the wall because it goes down quite a distance. You know what I could put in your pocket so that the wall becomes irrelevant? A green card, a U.S. passport, an official identity document from immigration that gives you lawful status and access to our country through our ports of entry. Because remember, that border wall doesn't block ports of entry. It only blocks off the space between ports of entry. I compare the border wall to the velvet rope at the bank. It guides the customers to the next available teller. It guides would-be visitors to the United States to the next port of entry. By the way, Biden says, I'm going to use a lot of high-tech stuff at the ports of entry. Well, that's great, Joe, and you should. But what about the people that come in by evading the port of entry, entry without inspection? They're not undocumented. They entered without being inspected. They've trespassed. So, I mean, understand what, the, what we're really looking at. So let me just read two brief sections from the indictment because it really lays out what this guy is about. It was a part and object of the conspiracy that Sholo Abdi Abdullah, the defendant, and others known and unknown. There's that phrase, folks, known and unknown. We don't know how many there are. We don't know where they are. They could be here. They might be trying to get here. We don't know. Others known and unknown would and did knowingly provide al-Shabaab with material support and resources, including, among other things, property, explosives, personnel, services, training, false documentation, and identification. Wow. So you have illegal aliens who can't prove who they are getting driver's licenses in places like New York State. Think about that. The 9-11 Commission found that the 19 hijackers in the aggregate used more than 360 false identities. They got driver's licenses, both counterfeit and legitimate. They did photo-substituted documents. They did all sorts of things with fake documents in order to enter the country and hide in plain sight and bed themselves. So why are you giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens? I guess that's looking for the MVP awards from al-Qaeda, ISIS, al-Shabaab, uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, who knows? But understand the nexus. Understand that sanctuary cities are a problem. Interior enforcement was identified as a key issue by the 9-11 Commission. Sanctuary cities obstruct interior enforcement of the immigration list. Why doesn't anyone ever ask Cuomo, why the hell are you going against the 9-11 Commission? Would you get on an airplane if you saw people sneaking past TSA? You see the point, folks. But then they go on 
and they explain this. Documentation, identification, communications equipment, weapons, transportation, and expert advice and assistance, knowing that al-Shabaab was a designated foreign terrorist organization as identified in Title 18, United States Code Section 2339BG6, that al-Shabaab engages in and has engaged in terrorist activity as defined in Section 212A3B of the Immigration Nationality Act. Now, why is that significant? Because that's the grounds for excluding an alien from the United States. Section 212 has all the categories under the immigration laws of aliens to be prevented from entering. One of them is aliens who are terrorists. So that means to get here, he needs fake ID, and that's what he was trying to do, connect the dots. So let's just move along. If the clock is not uh, our friend, we're running out of time. So let's finally get to this. Um, in or about, well, here we are. Let me just do this. In or about December 2018, Abdullah researched online, among other things, security on commercial airliners and how to breach a cockpit door from the outside. Section D, in or about January 2019, Abdullah researched online, for among other things, information about the tallest building in a major U.S. city. Sounds like what happened with the Trade Center, doesn't it? Now, here's the one that, again, goes back to my point. In or about January and February 2019, Abdullah researched online, for among other things, information about aircraft hijackings and how to obtain a U.S. visa. And now we come back to Mr. Alejandro Mayorkas, who said approve all applications for visas. That's the connection. Why is this not being asked of Joe Biden? This case just broke. This case just broke. First of all, they're probably not going to report on it in the mainstream media. And if they do, I want to know, when you look at this indictment, how the charges in the indictment line up with the warnings that are contained in the 9-11 Commission report and how sanctuary cities and the stated plans on immigration that Biden and Harris have articulated run contrary to what we were told we should be doing so that we don't have another 9-11 situation in the United States. How much clearer could we be here, folks? This isn't Mike Cutler making something up. The facts are the facts, and there's only one version of the truth. This guy was looking to come to America, use airliners as cruise missiles, and kill lots of people, the way it happened on 9-11. He was researching and providing documents with fake ID, figuring out how to get a visa. You have Joe Biden saying, if you come here illegally, it's not a problem, and he wants to put the guy in charge of DHS, DHS, doesn't only oversee citizenship and immigration services, it certainly does, but it's the Border Patrol, it's the U.S. Coast Guard, it's Immigration and Customs Enforcement, it's Secret Service, it's ATF, it's GSA, I'm sorry, TSA, all under the portfolio of the man who said to his adjudicators, get to yes. Never mind looking for fraud. Never mind that these people aren't statutorily eligible for a green card or a, a work visa or political, just get to yes. Well, this individual that wanted to carry out an attack in America was certainly hoping that some adjudicator would get to yes so that he could come here and kill us. Why is nobody asking Biden those questions in between asking him about his son and his extracurricular activities and how much money Joe himself may have profited by... Uh, working with his son, because it was clear by a lot of these communications that his son 
very much wanted his father to be part of his operational plans. This is a very perilous era. And you have to ask yourself, when Joe Biden makes decisions that force factories to leave the United States, increasing taxes, regulations, whatever, is he doing it because he thinks it's good for the U.S. economy? Is he doing it because he believes it's consistent with his political philosophies? Or could he be pushing companies out of our country so that they will go back to China because China told them that's what he has to do or there will be problems for Hunter and the Biden family. Is that the case? We don't know. But that's where the word compromise comes in. That's what concerns me. That's what keeps me awake at night. Because every time Joe Biden will make a decision, unfortunately, my first question in my own mind is going to be, is this being done to benefit China? Is this being done to benefit some other country that your son Hunter has improper relations with? Just the way that Swalwell had improper relations with an apparent Chinese spy. Boy, talk about being caught with your pants down in more ways than one. These are very serious questions, and Americans must have serious, direct, and complete answers. We need to know why Nancy Pelosi is so adamant about sticking up for Swalwell even after that fiasco. Who has gotten to Nancy? Interesting question that we all should be asking. By the way, one piece of good news. The Supreme Court has ruled that the president is okay with trying to remove from the census illegal aliens. Very important story because that census determined the apportionment of seats in the House of Representatives and the apportionment of votes in the Electoral College. Jimmy Carter started this nonsense where he ordered immigration agents to not arrest illegal aliens during the census that was being done on his watch, and it was obviously being done to gerrymander the districts. President Trump is reversing that course of action by a significant majority. The Supreme Court ruled that, it's, that the president can proceed with that. Of course, they're going to look to see the impact and so forth. It's not total agreement, but at least for the moment, and score another victory for President Trump. Think of how many people who are operating against the, against the best interests of the United States are very upset with President Trump in the Oval Office. So many people with such strong motivations to want to see him lose this past election. Interesting set of circumstances. Something for you to think about. Something for you to discuss with your friends and neighbors, uh, especially in this holiday season. Maybe you're not visiting directly. But during phone conversations and Skype and Zoom and all that other stuff, raise the questions, folks. Let's make certain to practice the First Amendment so it doesn't become a vestigial organ that goes away. There are so many people that do want to attack that First Amendment. And that's why I always like to remind you that democracy is not a spectator sport. I thank you for joining me. hope I've given you something to think about. And I hope you'll be joining me again next week right here. The Michael Cutler Hour. Good night, everybody. Have a great weekend. Stay safe.